Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Riddles in the Dark. This is the big one, the one you've been waiting for, where we'll be talking about the ending. We've been putting this off for, like, months now, I feel like, so <laughs> finally we're getting around to it. This is going to be exciting. This is These are the questions that, that really, like, that people seem to always uh, focus on when we do our... Um, uh, when we do our retrospectives and when we're tallying things up and when people are watching, um, this is this is this is one of the fun ones. So we're excited to finally get to it. And since we have a hard stop today, let's jump right in. I am your co-host Dave Kale, and with me, as always, are the Tolkien professor Corey Olson and Trish Lambert. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. I love how your your energy like jumped. <laughs> like exponentially from the t- between the time we were not on the air and on the air. I got it. Hey, that's radio. actually very praiseworthy. Yes. <laughs> you got to be high energy. That's right. That's well, right. very good. So today we're talking about the ending. And what I really want to want to focus on in discussing the ending of the film is to really be thinking about this in story terms. Because you see, it's, it's, it would be very easy for the discussion of the end of the film to be really a pretty trivial discussion that is i mean that is to say it's 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 not necessarily a very important question it could just sort of be a curiosity what what do you think happens to be the last thing they're going to show or 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 whatever and uh, many people might think i i I suspect that if there's a, a topic which you know, does not really have to do with any like analysis of the book. It would be this one, right? We're just going to talking about where, you know, where they're going to happen to break the story. Obviously the story in the book is not divided up into three parts like this. So, um, you know, so this is really just a question about the films entirely and it has nothing to do with the books, but I actually don't agree with that. Um, what I think that we really need to be thinking about when we're thinking about the ending is to be thinking about the overall story. This for me is, you know, it's one of the reasons I, I have been wanting to put it off as long as we have, um, is that looking at the ending, um, really, really uh, signals to me that we should be stepping back and looking at some really big picture stuff. We've done some, uh, some slightly bigger picture stuff, like stepped back and looking at the overall trajectory of Thorin's character, the overall trajectory of Bilbo's character and, uh, and some of those kinds of things. But here, you know, be thinking about the shape of the story as a whole and and how they're going to be doing. So there are a couple things that I think that we should do uh, as we are approaching this question. One is to be looking at the shape of the story in the book um, to see how exact, because there is, there are some definite moments. There is a rather, there is a rather, in some ways rather unusual shape um, of the Hobbit story in the book. And then um, we need to be looking at also what was the shape of the story that they told in film one Um and where, what do we think is going to be really accomplished in film two? The end of film one certainly led me to believe that, you know, they, you know, when they did the revision from two films to three films, you know, they did obviously really think carefully about having the ending points not be simply a cliffhanger to be continued moment, um, but to be a moment where something has been accomplished, you know, satisfactorily in the story. Um, and I assume that the same is going to be true at the end of, of film two. Um, so I'd like to think about how they did that in film one and compare it back. But let me start off by talking a little bit about this, the shape of the story in The Hobbit. I mean, I would say you actually could point to two stopping points. In fact, I think you actually could make a uh, 
a three-part division in the original in the story of the of of the hobbit book and where i would do it if i were dividing this already kind of small book into a trilogy of much smaller books where i would divide it is the departure of gandalf first the uh death of the dragon second and then through to the end of the book. Um, and I point to those two as major transitional points because those are places where the, where the, not just the kinds of things that really the whole premise of the story, I think really begins to change. Um, the first part of the story is, you know, about Bilbo being taken into the wild, you know, that the crossing of that boundary from his, you know, from his domestic world, the way that the dwarves and the wizard, especially, and this world of adventure comes into his home, and then he's brought out of his home, and they transition into the wild, and then he's thoroughly immersed in it with, you know, the with the Misty Mountains and with Gollum. Um, the encounter with the eagles and the bears is, is uh, you know, sort of like this sort of the final, the final thing. But the, Bilbo's own perspective bilbo's own uh, uh uh sort of world hasn't changed there is a significant change when he escapes from Gollum. you know there's that that moment at the beginning of chapter six i think is very important where he um you know where the the the, the idea that he has escaped on his own has you know has has made a big change in him but um but really, when the wizard goes away, that's when the story really changes. And now this becomes um, – we enter into a really a new, um, a new focus of the story where Bilbo's role with the dwarves is changing the whole nature of their, uh, of their adventures. This is not just now we're moving from, uh, from Bag End and into the wild, but now it is uh, Bilbo and the dwarves operating on a more equal footing, still not quite equal, on a more equal footing, um, you know, immersed in Mirkwood, which is essentially the, you know, which really dominates the central part of the story from Mirkwood through to the Lonely Mountain. And Bilbo's, of course, increasing leadership role as he goes from somebody who is not totally pathetic at the beginning <laughs> to somebody who is really a leader and somebody who is basically doing almost everything and in charge of almost the entire show by the time they get to the end of it. And certainly by the time they're at the Lonely Mountain. Um, and then, But then when the dragon dies... Um, we have another really important transition. And it's not just, you know, there's a moment, um, there, there's a moment when Tolkien's narrator kind of comically points to uh, this transition, in fact. Um, and uh, that's when, uh, uh, when the, uh, the, the, the raven comes and tells them um, that, that the dragon is dead. And, you know, Bilbo is, you know, the narrator tells us that Bilbo is thinking, you know, that with the death of the dragon, the adventure is properly speaking over, you know, Bilbo is like, okay, here we go. Um, roll credits. Well, no, wait, no, we can't roll credits yet. Cause I'm not home yet, uh, but it's time for me to go home. Right. It's time for us to divvy things up and give me my 14th share and off we go. Um, but of course, as the narrator points out, he was very much mistaken about the fact that the adventure is over. Um, 
but of course, even more than that, even or rather, even before that, uh, in the book, um, we get the chapter that actually describes the death of Smaug, the fire and water chapter. And that's a place where the tone of the book really shifts. The shift in, of the tone of The Hobbit is something that's been much commented on, and many people... Um, you know, have 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 observed it and said various things about it. How it gets much more dark and much more serious. Um, I actually dislike the adjective dark when applied to stories at all. Um, I find that the way that people <laughs> use that word is so. Vague. You don't find that to be incredibly illuminating and oh helpful. My goodness, no, I don't. Sometimes, because some people mean lots of evil things happen. Some people mean lots of violence occurs when they say dark. Some people mean, uh, you know, what, uh, what I would mean by dark would be something like, you know, uh, a kind of, you know, George R. R. Martin occurs at night, anti-hero kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, but be, so even if only because so many people mean so many different things by that adjective, when they apply it to a story, I find it not very useful uh, because certainly I find the end of the Hobbit, not dark uh, in that sense. You know, it is not like the, you know, game of Thrones breaks out at the end of the Hobbit. That's just not what happens. Um, but it does get more grown up. It does get more. The tone does change. It gets less comical. Um, you know, you go back to chapter one and you read, you know, something like the, you know, the battle of five armies. And then you go back and reread chapter one. The difference in tone is very clear. Um, Tolkien is going out of his way to make things funny, even serious things, especially serious things. He doesn't back away from scary stuff. Um, you know, his describe of the the his description of the sack of Dale and and the Lonely Mountain in chapter one is you know I mean it's it's a sufficiently horrific event, but but the way that it's phrased is played for laughs, um, so that he really persistently diffuses the horrifying things with comedy in chapter one. He stops doing that uh, at the end of the book. And even, you know, the, the part to me, and I mentioned this in my book, the part to me that really jumps out at the end of the chapter, the end of the fire and water, is not just the description of the fight with Smaug, but the way that the narrator goes out of his way to tell us how many people in Lake Town died. Um, and what's more, to tell us how many more were going to die of hunger and exposure over the course of the winter that was coming. Um, we don't need to know that exactly. I mean, it, he that would have been easy to skip over. The dragon's dead. Hooray! Uh, back to the mountain, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's completely un... And yet he goes out of his way to um, to really draw the reader into the situation, the, 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 the suffering of the people of Lake town and how awful it was and how many of them have died and all of them are homeless. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, and we get that from then on, you know, we get, we get, uh, descriptions not only of the corpses lying around the battlefield but you know the 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 horrible gruesome descriptions of like the vampire bats um uh you know fixing themselves and drinking the blood of the dead on the battlefield it's pretty awful um and again in in tone nothing like what we were getting back in chapter one. Um, So it's not just that the story enters a different phase and develops a different focus when the primary quest of this book has 
happened, you know, has been completed. That is, we're going to go back to the Lonely Mountain, recover our treasure, and ideally kill the dragon. Well, now the dragon's dead. They're they've they have the treasure and they're in the Lonely Mountain. Um, but now there's this whole extra segment of the story. So it's not just the fact that the story carries on and 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 adds on this extra story of the siege of the Lonely Mountain and then ultimately the Battle of Five Armies, but uh, um. But also, I, you know, you get this this change of tone, this change of 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 attitude, this change of interest. Um, uh, you know, uh, so I, you know, so now I'm not saying in 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 saying these things that I would predict that such a change would happen necessarily in the films. One thing, of course, about the films is that they've incorporated that much more from the beginning. We don't get the same. Um, you know, even though there is much comedy being employed in the first Hobbit film, it is not the kind of, you know, children's story comedy that we, I mean, it's just, it has all of the seriousness of the end of the Hobbit from the very beginning, um, especially in the character of Thorin. Um, you know, I think of that moment in film one where Thorin comes in and is like a complete buzzkill to the party at Bag End. Um, you know, like that's, Thorin is always it's always serious and everybody is always serious around, around Thorin and you see in this way the film does exactly the opposite of what Tolkien did in chapter one Tolkien jokes most with the most serious stuff in, cha- in chapter one of The Hobbit like whenever he's talking about something really sad or really gruesome he goes out of his way to make a joke of it or to make light of it in some way um uh, whereas again in film one we get lots of comedy around the sides, but then we pause for, uh, um, you know, like again everybody's having fun at Bag End, and then Thorn comes in, and now everybody's really serious. Or you know, Fili and Keely are messing around uh, at the campsite, uh, you know, and then Balin uh, uh, sobers things up by telling the story of the Battle of Asinul Bazaar. Um, so you know, that's that's the we don't we're not having fun with those things. We're not we're not we're not we're not having there's there's no comedy connected to the Battle of Asinul Bazaar. Um, so. Uh, so, so again, that kind of seriousness is already implicit uh, uh, in the films from the beginning. So I don't necessarily expect the story to 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 really change its tone um, at the end, especially since again they've been anticipating it. I mean, the kind of conflict which is going to uh, almost erupt in the battle of three armies between the dwarves and elves and uh, and men, um, but then which is at the last second superseded by the battle of five armies um, that, uh, that tensions, again, it's already been there from the beginning. It's already been there. Um, so, so there's no, you know, this is not a new element which gets introduced here, uh, at the end. So, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, really predict that the film would go in that direction, but, but again, you know, thinking about the way that the story, the book story is divided, the different kind of, movements i want to say that happen within the hobbit story um it's interesting to me to think about that in connection with the film now you'll notice film one actually ends very close to where i would put the first major division or the first major transition in the hobbit story it ends at the carrick uh whereas it's on the other side of bjorn's house that i think uh the, the the transition of the story really happens um but that i think is an interesting thing you'll notice the difference here in the book Tolkien attaches you know Tolkien 
has this transition with the departure of the wizard. Um, when Gandalf ceases to be the one, I mean, he's, he, he's the one, he's, he's the story maker, right? That's how Gandalf is introduced at the beginning. Wherever Gandalf, uh, you know, goes, these, these, you know, tales and adventures spring up out of the grass. Um, that's what, um, that's what, that's what Gandalf does. That's who Gandalf is. But, um, he, and so, so when, when he departs, when he, when, you know, he, he's the one who brings him. I said, you know, the first part of the book is like that, that, that transition, that Bilbo being drawn into the wild. Well, that's what Gandalf does. He's their guide. He takes them in. Once he gets them into the wild, he leaves them there. And now it's time for them to have their own adventure and for them to find their own way. Um, and again, he leaves them there for no good reason. And I mean that quite literally when Gandalf departed in the book, Tolkien, the author had no idea where Gandalf was going. <laughs> he did not have a plan for that. He just wanted to get rid of Gandalf to leave Bilbo and the dwarves on their own. Um, so, so again, it's all about, it's all about the, the role of Gandalf and Gandalf's relationship with the story in the film, the choice of the, the moment at the end of film one, you know, the, 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 the choice of that moment to break the films at the Carrick is clearly not about, has nothing to do with Gandalf and it has everything to do with Thorin and Bilbo and in a, with both of them individually, as well as both of them together. That is this, uh, you know, we've seen Thorin as this kind of angry embittered character uh, uh, focused on vengeance from the beginning in a sense, the, his, you know, the, like, the man hug between Thorin and Bilbo that happens on the Carrick is, is, I mean, this is the culminating moment. And it, this is, this is clearly a moment of transition for Thorin um, that he has decided to accept Bilbo and to believe in Bilbo. And we have the still unresolved, I would say, and it's one of the things I'm going to be really watching for in film too, the unresolved significance of the apparent, um, the, the, the loss of his, of his, of his oaken shield uh, at the end of film one, you know, when, cause the camera lingers on that, right. When the, when the Eagle picks him up and takes him away and you know, that piece of oaken log that he's been carrying around ever since the battle of Hazanul Bazaar drops and he leaves it behind. Um, and that, since that's his namesake, you've got to think that uh, that that's an important symbolic moment for Thorin's character. And I still don't quite know how that's going to play in film two and exactly what the symbol. I, I, I need to see a little bit more of the after before I can really uh, come to any conclusion about what the symbolic significance of that moment in film one was. But anyway, you've got you've clearly got the important transition of Thorin. But then with Bilbo as well, of course, you know, we've seen him grow and we have his speech before they meet the wolves, after they reunite coming out of the mountains. Um, and then, you know, followed up by his actions, um, in saving Thorin's life from the goblins. So, you know, it's, it's ending that they, you know, the way that they did the ending of film one was a satisfying moment, certainly in, in, as far as those two character arcs are concerned, it feels like something has been accomplished and now, you know, but they're obviously looking, you know, the, the, the film is still obviously looking ahead to all of what remains to them. Um, but again, I think it's interesting that, that Gandalf, unlike in the book, Gandalf is not really involved in that. It's just about Bilbo and Thor and Thorin's, uh, development what do you guys uh 
think about the overall sort of arc of film two, having ended with that, having ended with, you know, with, in that sense, I think you could say sort of the primary story of film one being the development of the, first of all, do you, do you, do you agree with me that Bilbo and Thorin are really the focal point of the ending of film one? Yes, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, um, what do you think about where we're going to be going in film two from this here? Um, and, uh, what kind of overall trajectory would you guys expect? Like, what do you think is going to be the story of, you know, if, if, if film one is this, you know, Bilbo's story and Thorin's story, what's, what's, what's film two going to be? Well, you know, I, I, I think we've touched on this before. I, it, I'm expecting to see at least something, you know, it's a little bit of a two towers effect where when Gandalf leaves, we split the story in two and we kind of flip back, flip flop back and forth. Um, on the Thorin company, Bilbo side, I think we're going to, you know, continue to see the relationship between Thorin and Bilbo develop in one direction or another. Gandalf, I imagine, you know, I almost think of the Gandalf storyline as the setup for the Lord of the Rings movies, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. But I'm, and yeah, I'm trying to figure true. out where Gandalf will leave. You know, Gandalf, I'm wondering if Gandalf will leave where he does in the book, you know, on the edges of Mirkwood. Um, so I'm thinking we're going to see the two, you know, there are going to be two branches. One, the Gandalf one might get resolved by the Battle of Dol Guldur by the end of movie two. I don't know. Do yeah, I mean, that? you're right that there's the, the, the Gandalf plot is awkward in that way because that, that is a good way to think about it. It is the Gandalf plot, the whole necromancer thing, which is the bridge between the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Um, so in so it is... And really, this gets back to a question we've asked lots of times and we don't really have an answer to, though I think we've all expressed our preference that this be minimized. But what connection is there going to be between those two plots, between the Gandalf set up for the Lord of the Rings plot and the mainstream Hobbit plot? Um, because that's that's clearly um, – uh, it's not obvious that those two things must inter- interact. Um, but but I don't know. It's also going to be a little awkward if they don't at all. Right. It's an interesting, I guess this question really, the way you've posed this, it, it's much more, it's, it's much more interesting than the very simple, like, you know, where's the film going to end? Cause what you're really asking is um, what story do the filmmakers want to tell in the second film? Exactly. Um, Cause see, uh, you know, and, and it's not just like, Oh, well they're going to tell the hop the story of the Hobbit. But, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, because you know that each film. I mean, if it's done well, each film should have its own, you know, its own arc, its own story. Yeah. And um, and I, I mean, you're right to you know, just sort of implying that by asking the question this way, I'm giving the filmmakers the benefit of the doubt. Um, in that, you know, I, I think if film two is good, this is what it will do. You know, it will have some kind of, uh, of 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 discrete arc. Though actually, here's a side question: When they were planning two films, um, you know, the the prevailing wisdom is that the second, the first film was going to end after the barrel ride. So my question is, what was the story of that film going to be? What was going to be? The, I mean, again, not just thinking of it as a milestone in the overall Hobbit plot, but as an ending to the film one story. We already know 
what, something like two-thirds at least of what was going to be the film one story. Um, and uh, But now imagining that it doesn't end on the Carrick, but carries on to the... Uh, this is why I suspect we're getting a goblin attack uh, it, it mixed in with the barrel uh, uh, ride down the river. Because that must have been the climactic sequence of the original film one, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. So that's why we get Azog back again. Um, so thinking about that's really like, funny. Yeah. As a as an aside, that's really funny because we went back in the day, the the long ago days of the two. The, there will only be two films of this. Can barely remember what that was like. Um, we 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 sort of we predicted all along that the probably the split would be at arriving in Lake Town and that the last scenes would be them going down the river. But we always imagined it would be like a like a you know like. The climactic scene would be escaping from the elves, and then yes. we would just get this closing shot of some barrels yes. bobbing on the river and, and pan <laughs> out to the mountain. We never imagined that that the final shot of the movie would be a chase scene with um, with um, aerial barrel battles. And exactly, what? yeah. Bomber <laughs> being launched out of a trebuchet in a barrel fighting <laughs> improbably a goblin in midair. Um, yes, we did not expect that at all. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but it does make... Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, I, Corey, I asked you... I, I was talking to you before we did the show about the fact that I, as, I'm, as I'm recalling... The original move. The original name of the last movie was Battle of Five Armies. And wasn't there a point in time when it was actually announced that that was the name of the movie, or was it just that they registered that and they hadn't really officially announced that that was the name of it? I don't think they made an official announcement. Oh, okay, so it was just one of the names they registered. And yeah, it wasn't actually so. officially the name because I was, I was thinking if that was the case, that kind of would give us the uh, you know clue as to what they were going to focus on <laughs> in the last movie. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Kate is suggesting, do you think the original ending would have been Toriel saying, it is our fight? Uh, that's interesting. Uh, uh, Kate, it really makes me wonder what side of the original divide would that scene have found? It's going to be hard. You know, When we see the film, it might become obvious one way or the other. We don't really know when in the sequence of the film uh, that conversation between her and Legolas takes place. Um, but... Uh, but it would be interesting to see that uh yeah that's there's so many variables involved with that i'm not really sure but uh um but thinking back to the wild action sequence apparent ending of film of original <laughs> film 1 that we were just talking about what was going to be accomplished there what was going to be accomplished there was, I, guess, I mean, because Azog's going to be involved. It's going to be Azog and his goblins again. That we're, I mean, it's the it's the goblins of Azog that Bomber is fighting in midair, right? I think. Right. Okay. Yes. Um, right. Presumably. Presumably, because we see Azog coming in and attacking elves, uh, you know, on the way through in the trailer. So, so we've we've got we've got another climax with Azog, which means again, thinking back to original film one, we have the story of the Battle of Azanul Bazaar, I guess, and we have I say I guess because who knows what they expanded uh, when they um, 
moved from two to three. But anyway, we get, um, you know, I, I guess the scene of Azog on Weathertop saying, you know, let's like hunt them down. And then we get the, uh, the out of the frying pan into the fire sequence when the two fight, but Azog and Thorin are both, you know, the way, where they both escape and go their separate ways, and then they come together again. Is this supposed to have been some kind of climax? Um, that that I mean, could we get the death of Azog in that scene? Could we have gotten that oh, at the end have. of film one? Yeah, we might have. That's true. So that that little subplot gets actually is you know so that film one becomes in that sense the story of the closure of that earlier sequence, which could have great significance for Thorne's King show thinking this through for a second. Um, you know, Dave, back when we were joking, when we were thinking about the end of the first film as the, the, you know, the barrels bobbing down, remember mm-hmm. the, the joke that I made, which I still love by the way, um, of, you know, having the very, very end of the film be Thorne coming out of the barrel and saying, well, I'm back. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I still think that would be awesome so you know I can still use that but anyway um, but the point the premise of that joke was that the, 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 the moment of transition between original film one and original film two um, was Thorin returning to his kingdom you know that this is the moment where, where you know we don't have bunch of travelers on a journey of you know film one is bunch of travelers on a journey then film two of two uh, is the return of the king uh, which doesn't go quite the same as the return the other return of the other king uh, later on um, <laughs> but anyway the second the second film is essentially a return of the king film um, that could still in a sense uh, now again we don't get my my funny joke ending um but if the film did end with a climactic battle with azog which ends with the death of azog possibly that could be a reestablish. you know it's uh, on the one hand thorin reestablishing his conflict with azog is associated with his kingship has been associated with his kingship by balan's story in film uh, in in film one the story of the battle of as an that's true so if you know he like sort of reestablishes things, and I mean it, it, it allows for not a an anticlimactic entry into Lake Town, but a kind of triumphal entry into Lake Town. Um, you know, I am the king of the mountain. I return, and I just defeated the pale orc, and like you know, finished the business that was left unfinished at the Battle of Azanul Bazaar, and now I'm coming home, and we're going to settle with the dragon. You know. Uh, that that could have been um, the you know that could be a direction. Then it can that, be a, more of a it can be more of an Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator I'm back moment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I should I'd be back. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's also um, something about the first film when when the film when it was going to be two films, which is our apparently now deleted bulk remember that the there remember the old uh, uh poster and the toys i mean i guess bulk was going to be showing in film one originally and now he appears to be gone completely 
So right. I wonder how that storyline, because I assume that was a Dog Goldur storyline that was going to show up in film one, which we haven't gotten. Right, yeah. I mean, Chuck is saying he expects Azog to survive film two to be killed by Thorne in the Battle of Five Armies. I, I, I mean, uh, that seems likely. Um, and that Azog could give you know Thorin his fatal wound. Uh, that does seem likely. But exactly, Trish, I was thinking the same thing when we were going to get Bolg, um, which I still haven't one hundred percent given up on. Um, but <laughs> uh, but it's not looking good for Bolg at this point. <laughs> Um, he's, Bulk, he's on life support. Bulk stock is dropping <laughs> rapidly here. Uh, people are people are selling their bulk stock right and left. But um, <laughs> but uh, you know th- that was you know we had always talked about that it, since they since they had originally planned to do both Azog and Bulg that this was going to be you know like a father son vengeance thing, um, and that it was going to be Bulg who was who was you know running the Battle of Five Armies, and that that was going right. to be that was going to be the conflict. So, um, you know, if they shift and in some ways, you know, I have to say, I like that better, you know, the whole, Oh, like, you know, Azog, the, the, you know, the white, uh, the white orc is, is, you know, the pale orc is, is, you know, he's the big recurring villain and he's just going to be a pretty stock returning, recurring villain and going to have his climactic battle with the hero in the final scenes. I mean, that's pretty trite, you know, f- f- from, you know, like yeah. in, 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 in action movie tradition, it doesn't get more predictable than that. Um, and, and I'm not saying that just doing something different from how things are always done is the best thing. Um, I'm generally resistant to things having to be a surprise or not following, you know, nice traditional, you know, there's something to be said for nice archetypal endings, um, and it's okay if they've been done before. Uh, however, Mike has a chance to be pretty lame, and I know that many people did think he was kind of lame uh, in the first film for this reason. But um, anyway, Yana says he's still holding out for Dan killing Azog at the doorstep of the Lonely Mountain. Yeah, if he can't kill him on the doorstep of Moria, he can at least kill him on the on on some threshold or other. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm holding out for him just uh, just um, running along and getting hit by a stray arrow in the middle of the battle. <laughs> We're getting clawed by an eagle. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Actually, he he's menacingly stalking up to an injured thorn, and then and then an eagle grabs him and carries him off screaming. <laughs> You know, you're you're actually right. You know, if they keep Bolg in, I mean, you get you get this father. I I think it'd be a kind of a cool to have this sort of father son sub theme going on. You know, with with um, Thranduil and 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 Legolas and Bolg and Azog, and you know, you could even have and and Thorin and Thryon, and you could even fi- find out that maybe Bard is the illegitimate son of the Master of Lake Town, which of course would change <laughs> oh, the whole yeah. well, Come on, guys, plot, there's but- not going to there's not going to be any bulk. He's gone. Just accept it. <laughs> accept it and move on. <laughs> There's not going to be any bulk. Oh, well. And we're going way off topic. That's too bad, because no he looks so interesting. Oh, you're right. We're going off topic, and Dave has to go. 
I know. Okay. Oh, Bolg, oh, Bolg. We hardly knew you. <laughs> we, did, we didn't get to know you at all, really. <laughs> know you at all, yeah. We saw you. You got, oh, Bolg, you got like five seconds of screen time. Not even five seconds. It was like two seconds. Bolg's lament, yes. Bolg's yes. lament. The lay of Bolg. <laughs> okay. Anyway, no, but I, I, you know, all of this stuff is, uh, okay. The, 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 the question of how was the original film one going to come to an end, of course, is not directly relevant to this, but it is in the sense of sort of seeing where exactly they were heading because presumably they're going to hit that on the way. And we're going to get that climactic, if indeed that was the climactic scene, which it rather looks like, we're still going to get that, except it's going to be in the middle um, or maybe the first half. Well, probably not the first half. But anyway, it's going to be somewhere in the middle or maybe two-thirds of the way through the second film. So that's going to be kind of interesting to see that uh, to see that transition. Um, what uh, um, one question? Uh, and this actually, I wanted to, we didn't get a chance to talk about this earlier, but somebody. Um, Chuck was asking earlier, um, what incident is going to happen to induce Gandalf to leave and how will we explain it to the rest of the company? Um, well, that's true. I suggested, a tele- I suggested a telepathic message from Galadriel. Yeah. Or <laughs> that's, a really good, that's a really good question because yeah. in the book, this, he's, he's planning to leave all along. Right. Right. Because in the book, in the book, they've been pl- plotting this attack on Dol Guldur for about three hundred years now. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Though, the, though, again, I mean, in the in the nineteen thirty seven book, he did. You know, he just says, "I've got other business." Um, right. And it's clear that, you know, to Gandalf, the trip to the Lonely Mountain is only one of several things he's you know got on the burner at 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 at, at this time, and you know he's going to go tend to something else. Um, so yeah, just the fact that um, he, I mean, it's going to come. I mean, it, it's got to come up explicitly. Gandalf can't just do, can't just say exactly what he says in the book. You know, he can't just say, "I've got other business," which I'm now late to through messing with you people. Um, but we already know what his business is. You know, we 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 get that whole setup um, in Rivendell in film one. He's got to, and what's more in one sense now the departure at the place where he does at the borders of Mirkwood actually makes sense because he's going to go i got to go to dol guldor you know i i can't go this way i've got to go a different route because i get that there's something i gotta find out now that i'm over here um our paths were going the same direction up to here but i, I i've got to you know maybe i'll meet up with you again later on but i gotta take off um I say it almost makes sense because, of course, <laughs> if we get the tombs of the Nazgul, which were supposed to be way back on the other side of the Misty Mountains, based on what Goadriel said in film one, then we have another uh, moment of fun with geography. Um, but whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of trying to ignore that right now. <laughs> um But, so, I mean, I think he's got the, he's got the, 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 premise to leave it's gonna you know clearly he's got to make more of a big deal of it um though again it leads me to wonder how what kind of connection there's going to be 
between the two stories and if some connection is going to be uh is going to be established at that moment of gandalf's departure like that is i don't think it can just be okay you guys keep going i'm gonna go do something totally different um you know so like i'm out of here um i don't think that's gonna how it's gonna come across when gandalf talks to you know thorne and bilbo about it Hmm. yeah i don't think I don't think uh, with the with the the film characters being the way they are that Gandalf's going to be able to get away with. Uh, uh, I got other things to do. I'll see you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, Brianna really... Brianna reminds us or points out that in the audio clip of Gandalf leaving, he says he's leaving quote in search of answers. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Hmm. Um, exactly. I mean that's. Gandalf has a good reason for leaving that's been well established in film one. So that's going to be fine. But um, that's one major way, I think, in which film two has got to differ, is that the stuff with the necromancer, whether or not we get to the Battle of Dol Guldur in film two or not, um, the stuff of the necromancer has to take a more central place because it interferes with the main story. Radagast, it barely interfered with the main story. Radagast was the main vehicle of the necromancer plot in film one. And mm-hmm. the, the Radagast scenes, especially the Radagast in Mirkwood scenes were simply interruptions. It was a meanwhile elsewhere, something totally different is happening um, kind of thing. When when Gandalf enters into that part of the plot fully, when he turns his back on the Quest of Erebor plot and goes onto the Necromancer plot, um, it ceases to be just an aside, as it was with Radagast, and really begins to um, interfere. So um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's got to be it's got to become more prominent at that point. And that therefore my question becomes to what extent does it um, become a part of the overall shape? And what I'm thinking of here is I'm thinking of the two towers film um, in the two towers book. Of course, the two different plane you know, of the story splits at the end of the fellowship of the ring. And we've got the surviving members of the company and what's going on with them. And we've got Frodo and Sam going to Mordor. And <clears throat> Tolkien, of course, doesn't jump back and forth. We get book three talking about the, you know the first set, and and book four talking about the second set. Um, and although we get during book four occasional glimpses back of what's going on, so that we can keep them chronologically connected in our heads, um, the two of them are treated totally separately. Now in the film, Jackson didn't do this and he goes back and forth. And not only does he just go back and forth and continue telling the two stories in parallel, um, he does an interesting job of sort of pairing the two of them together so that it doesn't seem like these are just two totally unrelated stories that happen to be being told in the same film. Um, And in particular, I thought um, a, a bunch of people, uh, I was I was uh, I, I was mentioned in a Twitter exchange by several listeners uh, just yesterday about oh sort of gripings about uh, about the films. This kind of sort of a uh, a like what is your least favorite scene in the Lord of the Rings films conversation broke out uh, <laughs> yesterday on Twitter, and um, several of them were complaining about the the Osgiliath 
uh, scene at the end of the two towers oh, and, Lord. you know, Frodo and Sam being taken to Osgiliath and everything. And, um, and I, I do agree that that's pretty egregious in a bunch of ways, but in a bunch of ways, but what I will say is that scene. And in particular, the way that uh, Sam's, you know, uh, Sam's speech about stories is placed within that. Um, I don't much like at all the Faramir is taking Frodo and Sam and they get as far as Osgiliath and then let them go. I'm not a big fan of that innovation in uh, in the Two Towers film. But that the, the way that that works as a climax, the way that Sam's speech about stories functions and interacts with Faramir's story and with Frodo's story and with the Battle of Helm's Deep, which is also, you know, the other half of the story, which is also concluding then, I think works really well and ties the, you know, ties the whole thing together. The ending, as, as a film ending, I find it pretty satisfying. Um, now, again, I'm referring to all this because I'm wondering to what extent we're going to get that, a similar kind of movement there when we're now splitting between the Quest of Erebor and Gandalf. I'm assuming it's going to be an uneven split, that we're going to be getting you know, twice as much footage of the Quest of Erebor as we do you know, Gandalf's uh, search for answers. But um, even if the two stories are not actually connected... Uh, you know, like the necromancer in communication with Smaug or whatever. Um, there, I think there has to be some kind of joining. Just based on what I've seen, you know, I think that he's going to be thinking about tying those together uh, in some ways, so that the 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 whatever resolution the two stories come to at the end of film two, um, it's going to work as a kind of a unified ending. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. And therefore, so so therefore, this leads me to one of the big projection questions about film two, and that is, we so, so I, I think we should just go on record about this. Do you think the Battle of Dogulder is going to happen in film two or not? Is the story with the necromancer going to come to a climax in film two, or will that climax happen in film three? <laughs> so I think it's going to happen in film two. I mean, again, I think we kind of talked about this before in the sense of I think if it happens in film three, you're taking away from the dramaticness, that's not even a word, of the Battle of Five Armies. So I think the Battle of Dal Guldur is going to be our military action for, for movie two. Yeah. Man, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, like, I, I'm sort of. I, I honestly, I have a really bad feeling about the uh, the Battle of Dol Guldur. Mm-hmm. Um, at least if they really intend to make it big. <laughs> I just, I mean, I personally think that if they really intended to build up to a very climactic confrontation at Dol Guldur, they really should have spent more time with it in the first film. But they did, they did nothing. Like, it's really hard to it's really hard to see how we can get from where we are now with Dol Guldur, which is. Radagast wandered over there at one point, found a blade, <laughs> saw kind of a weird shadow thing, gave it to Gandalf. Gandalf showed it to the other people. The other people um, uh, brushed him off. How are we going to get from that to 
oh crap, it's Sauron, we better go attack and gather up all the armies and stuff. The only thing I can imagine, if they're going to do it, on the one hand, I really don't want them to do it in the third film, because I I don't see how that would work either, because Gandalf needs to be at the Battle of Five Armies. Right, so it has to happen be before battle the Battle of Five Armies. Right. So it's either, it's either in the first half of that film, which would be bizarro in terms of pacing, or it has to be in this one. But I don't see really how it works in this one either, unless unless they're really going to change the nature or, well, not change the nature because I guess we don't really know what the Battle of Dol Guldur was like. All we know about it is we have, you know, cryptic statements in the in the Lord of the Rings about the White Council putting forth its power and driving Sauron from there. So that doesn't even yes. mean it was necessarily like an actual battle. Right. I, I personally think the only way I can imagine it working is if it's something like that, where it it's Gandalf... And Radagast and maybe Galadriel, maybe a few elves um, show up, fight hedgehogs. like you know a couple ring raids. <laughs> yeah, hedge, an army of hedgehogs. Armored. Fight a armored couple hedgehogs. ring raids. Fight a couple ring raids, a couple spiders, a couple goblins, and then Sauron runs away. Like I don't think it's going to be a battle battle. Like if people are expecting, like it will be the Helm's Deep of Desolation <laughs> of Smaug, I right. think they're going to be really disappointed. Yeah. there's no way well, it can I, possibly. Helm's Deep took I mean, up most of that movie. Yeah. I, yeah, I do think it is going to be the Helm's Deep of Desolation of Smaug, but only in the sense that it's going to be the battle. You know, that, it was, that it's a the second movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be <laughs> the fighting. yeah. We, we got to have yeah. We got to have you know some fighting going on, and that's what it's going to serve. You know, it's not going to be as extensive as Helm's Deep, but I think it's going to serve that function. And Swords also, I mean, Cor- it's right. Corey and I kind of talked about this, or I actually brought it up when Corey and I were talking before the show. It's like we actually don't know. I mean, just because in the book it's kind of loose, and we, I believe it, it's even like they don't really even see Sauron that he's. Basically, the Nazgul um, sort of are the front. They kind of defend Dolgaldur as a cover to let Sauron get away in the book. That may not be the way it is in Jackson's universe. I mean, we have had um, some uh, media about the fact that Cumberbatch is going to be seen as Sauron, and there's been sort of intimations that there's some Sauron scenes. doesn't necessarily have to be in the battle, but... I it's quite possible there will be kind of a confrontation between the you know white and black directly that we will see Sauron in the battle. I don't know. I mean it's it could go so many different ways this battle. It's cuz it's all it made does. up. You know, now Kate's Kate Kate Neville makes a suggestion here which I think is 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 pretty sensible. She thinks that the death of Smaug is going to be the end of the first film and the second the, the, the second film and the third film will start with the battle of Dol Guldur. Um, I agree that having the Battle of Dol Guldur happening in parallel with or even in close proximity to the Battle of Five Armies would be a bad idea um, from a narrative point of view. Um, the fact that Gandalf has to uh, you know, get on the express train between the two doesn't bo- I, I don't think is any impediment as we see people cross massive distances very quickly um, in Peter Jackson films. So I don't think that that's a necessary impediment uh, to having them be relatively close together. However, um, I, I just... I. I don't think thematically the two of them are going to be working nearly as well. Um, uh, I, I don't think we're going to want to be distracting because of the way the battle of five armies has such a build up to it. I mean, in order for the, the, the whole, the, the tensions and, you know, Thorin 
going away and you know going to his thorin going to his unhappy place and uh and and you know the armies gathering and the exchange of of demands and the tensions and the handing over of the arkenstone and all of these things the build up of the siege is really crucial and i can't imagine we're going to be interrupting that with meanwhile action down in mirkwood i I just that i i don't think that's going to happen um so i agree with kate that if it does happen in film three it's got to be at the beginning um as sort of a transition into it but you know i kind of like the idea of the battle of dull guldor um in parallel with the conflict with Smaug, not necessarily parallel in the sense of flipping back and forth, you know, between scenes uh, of like dragon combat and uh, Dol Guldur combat um, or anything like that. But that is, again, just sort of thinking thematically, um, there's a neat kind of mirror reversal of Smaug coming out of his mountain and attacking uh, Esgaroth and being fought off. Um, and, you know, the forces of good coming and invading uh, Mirkwood and attacking Dol Guldur. Uh, you know, there's a kind of, there's a kind of symmetry there that I find really appealing. Um, and I, I don't know that that just because I find that symmetry appealing doesn't mean that that's necessarily how it's going to happen uh, in the film. But, um, but that, that, that does sort of strike me as interesting. I kind of think we might get the culmination with the battle of Dol Guldur. I mean, what, whatever of the battle of Dol Guldur, Dol Guldur is going to happen. I think it may well happen in film too. Um, I'm kind of thinking, cause even thinking of Trish, of what you were just saying about having fighting in, uh, in, in, in this film um, between the apparently uh, remarkable combat sequence that the barrel ride has turned into and the attack of Smaug on Esgaroth, there's not many action scenes, are there? Um, or any? No, I don't think so. Action scenes other than maybe some dwarf goblin or some dwarf dragon action, uh, on the sides of the, of the lonely mountain. So I wonder if that could be, you know, basically while they are in, Lake Town, and while they are coming to, maybe we even have sort of a parallel of you know Gandalf approaching Dol Guldur as they are approaching the Lonely Mountain kind of thing. Um, so I could definitely see the Battle of Dol Guldur happening in film two. I, I think I'm actually rooting for it to happen in film two. Um, yeah, I think I am too. So actually, that it not be obstructing the Battle of Five Armies. Exactly. We still have plenty exactly. of room for denouement at the end. You know, it. Do you, the, the, um, yeah. Do you, Do you think we have enough um, time in the film to sort of build up the head of steam, the narrative head of steam that would lead to a battle? Well, I mean, this just gets back to the problems that we've seen all the way along. You know, there is so much stuff to do in film two. How are they ever possibly going to do it all? <laughs> it, it, it still it still astounds me that these these are the conversations we're having about. I know, I know, <laughs> really. When in the lead up to it, people are like, "How will they ever make films out of that?" Oh yeah, film? what a stretch! There's nothing to, there. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Listen, no, I, um, one of the one of the riddles in the dark, listeners, and I'm apologize that I don't remember who it was, but um, 
did sort of an analysis of uh, an unexpected journey in terms of the time chunks, and there were a significant number of 20-minute blocks in, in an unexpected journey. Those, those sort of overshadowed all the others. I mean, there was a couple that were maybe five minutes, one was maybe two minutes, but but the big scenes, and I'll see if I can go back and find this thing, you know, like the exposition at the beginning and, you know, all the pieces, 20 minutes was kind of the chunk, the standard chunk. So I thought, well, that's interesting. I mean, we could kind of apply that formula perhaps. 20 minutes two. of Bilbo standing and looking around an empty bag end. <laughs> just, just do <laughs> Well, like, yes, conversation of Smaug could be a 20 minute or the, you know, pieces of Bilbo going in and out of the mountain and interacting with the dragon, if there's more than one, could be a 20-minute section. Um, Esgaroth could be a 20-minute section. The frickin' barrel ride could be a 20-minute section. Please, oh, spare me. Uh, oh, um, that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I just thought that was an interesting statistic that we could play around with. Yeah. Well, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if we think of it in terms of just doing a, a really quick overview of what needs to be covered, thinking of the Quest of Erebor plot, and you know, tell me if I'm leaving anything out, we have the encounter with Bjorn, and moving from there to set out into Mirkwood, we need to have a Mirkwood is scary sequence culminating in the spiders, but also apparently including the bewitchment of Bomber somehow since we're going to be carrying him. Um, as I still can scarcely believe we saw that image. Um, and if it had not been for that one still that we saw, I would be ready to swear up and down that the enchanted sleep of Bomber is certainly going to be cut out. Um, and then... Well, that's also... That, it could show up in a... Well, that's true. I was going to say it could still show up in an extended edition. Possibly. Scene, even possibly. Though it's, even though but seen. anyway, okay. So we've got, so we've got the Bjorn... The the Bjorn encounter, where you've got the uh, the scary Mirkwood and spiders encounter. We've got the captured by the Elven King and imprisoned by the Elven King. We've got the escape from the Elven King leading up to the barrel ride and the fight apparently with... You left out the languishing in the Elven King's dungeons for months. While we have lots of discussions among... Bilbo Korea, runs around in, invisible... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, that that basically needs to be included, too. Then you've got the uh, move into Lake Town, meeting Bard and the master of Lake Town and, you know, what goes on in Lake Town. Then you've got the going to the Lonely Mountain and discovering the secret door. Then you've got the uh, going down into the mountain in conversations with Smaug. Um, and then possibly uh, combat with Smaug and ultimately the death of the dragon at, at Esgaroth if we get that. And somewhere in there we've got Gandalf being jumped on by a dwarf. Right. Um, visiting the Nazgul tombs. Right. Was but thinking of those in order, we've got Gandalf's departure and him going to finding him going to find answers, which I assume means he's going to the tombs of the Nazgul, um, which I still don't fully understand, but anyway, there there we are. Um, so Gandalf meeting Radagast at the tombs of the Nazgul, and then we've got Gandalf going from there to Dol Guldur, which I guess is in, a, which I think is in a different place. Again, the geography, a little bit uncertain, but I, I anyway, so that we've got then Gandalf going with Radagast, presumably, and probably Sebastian, to uh, Dol Guldur, <laughs> and um, uh, and encountering the person that he encounters there, 
And then what? Uh, you know, here, Dave, I'm thinking of your, you know, narrative head of steam. What else do we get of that? Galadriel's involved, right? We, we know this. We know Galadriel's going to be in the we Battle of Dalgoldor because of what Philippa said. Yeah. Yes. Um, so. Uh, oh, and, and to ba- and to backtrack, Ian and Kate both remind us that. Uh, Jackson has said that the that he actually is having a direct confrontation between the dwarves and the dragon. Right. Probably right. on the side of the mountain. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, so if we're going to have more buildup to Dol Guldur, we've got to have somehow Gandalf discovers that the Nazgul are gone, and thereafter probably that's the point at which he begins to be suspicious that this necromancer dude might be... Uh, either the witch king or Sauron or somebody. And so that's when he decides, okay, I got to go and check this out myself. So he's going to go and check it out himself. But it's, it's at that point that the whole thing really collapses. How does he get from, let me go and see if maybe this is Sauron or the witch king or somebody to, uh, you know, I'm sending up the Galadriel signal and we're going in, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to go like put the boots on and go after him. I don't know unless we get basically if that is uh Thran, of which I'm still in doubt, uh the crazy dude that he's fighting with, then presumably that could be the thing that fills in the gap that how Gandalf discovers, okay, yeah, this is Sauron, you know, that this guy can tell him stuff which leads Gandalf to be quite clear of what's going on. But then what? At that point, does Gandalf have to, I mean, I keep joking about sending up the Galadriel signal. Does he have to go to Lothlorien? Does he have to send word to her somehow? Do we get another little council? You know, do we get like Radagast and, and Gandalf and Galadriel sitting around and saying, okay, do you want to go? Yeah. Okay. Do let's. And then they take off to go fight Sauron. Um, and then we maybe Radagast swings by Lothlorien and picks up Galadriel on his rabbit sled. Uh, exactly, since he seems to be capable <laughs> of crossing almost infinite distances in almost negligible <laughs> amounts right. of time. He clearly of is course, the one to send. He will, he will take a very erratic route getting to Dol Guldur, <laughs> judging <Yeah>. by. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. You'll drive around in circles very fast uh, along the way. However, um, anyway, uh, I, 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 I certainly agree. You know, when sort of sketching through the plots as we, you know, based upon what we know from the book and what we know from the film, there's a lot of holes in that Dolguldor plot, and there is. It's a real wild card. So either they're going to fill them which means they're going to take more time than we th- than we think and somehow all the rest of that stuff has to get squeezed into a comparatively small hole you know small small package or they're not going to fill them and it's going to be really sketchy and those kind of seem to me to be the only real How option. long do we think this movie's going to be by the way 8 hours I'm thinking <laughs> How long was Two Towers? Two Towers was longer than Fellowship of the Ring, wasn't it? Yes, they each get longer. Uh, the, the How are they ever going to make a film out of The Hobbit? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a children's an, book. An entire film. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Oh, there's really nothing there. <laughs> And two films? Oh, two films. Oh, come on. Two films? Really? Oh, that's just the studio yeah. trying to make money. Yeah, they're just trying to make money making yep. two films. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I 
hardly enough material for one film, much less two. God, yeah. God forbid they should even try to extend it into three. <laughs> then they'll just be really reaching. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Thinking of all this, though, this brings us towards, and we have to get towards, <laughs> our final question, yes. which is, given all this stuff, where are we going to end? What is going to be the culmination of this story? Where is this going to go? And, you know, we don't really have time uh, today to finish thinking through where this is going to go for all, you know, for each of the characters individually. But where is it going to go for the story as a whole? What is going to be um, a satis- the, 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 the ending point, the satisfying ending point um, of this second film? And... We should, so we should that, that that's our question. I suppose we should give our our our, our options here officially. Hmm. Um, okay, so our, that that's our riddle. How, how do we how do how do we actually phrase the riddle? What's the what's the final thing? I, I, I forgot. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm. I'll be with you. Um, after which major plot event the second film end okay after after which major plot event will the second film end so notice we're not talking about um uh you know like what is going to be the final thing on screen or something like that right so so the correct answer for film one would have been the out of the frying pan into the fire sequence um you know the fight with the goblins and wargs uh in the burning trees that is the answer for film one as far as like what is the last major plot event uh the the culminating plot event um of the film and um so okay so the options are option a is the death of the dragon um now i chose option a to be that because of course as 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 our regular listeners know option a is always the book answer and i'm pointing that to the as the book answer for the reasons that i explained before that the death of the dragon is the moment of the transition is is that that other moment that really significant moment of transition uh for the hobbit book um so if there's a book answer to the question of where film two will end that in my mind that's got to be it um so the death of the dragon uh is option a option b is uh, the dragon's departure for Esgaroth. So this is, you know, maybe there's, a, you know, the conflict with the dwarves and uh, and the, the the dragon on the mountainside or whatever. But um, uh, but it, um, but yeah, but it's it's not. Um, it's it's not it, it's not the, it's not the I mean I'm thinking here of the ending of chapter uh, of uh, of chapter twelve in the book, um, you know when Smaug comes out and smashes the mountainside uh, and then says I don't know your smell but if you are not one of those men of the lake you had their help they shall see me and remember who is the real king under the mountain <clears throat> he rose in fire and went away south towards the running river roll credits. Um, <laughs> That's B. <laughs> um, uh, option C is. Oh wait, I'm forgetting. What was option C? Battle of Dol Guldur. Oh, the Battle of Dol Guldur. Right. That we're we're going to end. It's not going to be a Smaug focused ending at all. Um, the Battle of Dol of Dol Guldur is going to be the culminating moment uh, of film two. Um, option D is the Siege of the Lonely Mountain. 
right? By the men and elves. Yeah. Yeah, by the men right, and elves. By the so men and elves. That is, we're gonna have, have we're gonna have the, the dragon will be dead, and we're not gonna end the the film with the death of the dragon, but we're actually gonna end it with an establishment of the tension um, that is gonna lead up to the battle of five armies at the end. So we'll have the death of the dragon, and then we'll have. Um, We'll actually, so we'll, we'll we'll see like the armies of elves and men moving toward the mountain, or um, you know, setting up around the mountain or something at the end. And then option D, that is option D. Okay, that is no, option D. Well, yeah, option, option E, e we have to put in something right? different, something completely yeah, different, <laughs> something completely different. None of the above. None of the above. Yeah, yeah that's just, just to help out the judges in case we've left them in the lurch. By well, yeah, I mean, we, this is this is the kind of uh, the kind of uh, riddle where we have to give a none of the above option because uh, there's no reason to think that our four options are uh, completely inclusive. So, so th- those are options again. Option A: the death of the dragon. Option B: uh, the departure of the dragon from the mountain for Esgaroth. Option C is the Battle of Dol Guldur, and option D is the uh, Siege of the Lonely Mountain by the armies of men and elves. So, You know, I have been all along a big fan of the Smaug leaves for Esgaroth answer, mm-hmm. and I may still go for that, but one of the things that I'm remembering as folks are reminding me of, of things that have gone before in the logs and whatnot is we've been told that in the extended edition of An Unexpected Journey, we're going to get a scene of Girion and his black arrows trying to fight off the dragon when he arrives at Dale, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, if we wait until movie three for Bart and his black arrow, you know, the audience may not have, or at least Jackson will consider, that the audience won't have enough memory to remember back to Girion in the extended edition, so so I am kind of tending toward maybe Bard will will kill um, Smaug with his arrow in at the end of movie two. So I have I'm not going to give an answer yet, but I just want to go on record as saying I'm now rethinking my yeah my original yeah. position. Um, what do you guys think about um, the the Dol Golder sequence battle, whatever whatever it is? Uh, happening in parallel with the confrontation with Smaug. I like it. I guess uh, that's what I I think works out. You're talking about the Esgaroth confrontation or the or the yeah. dwarves confrontation. I kind of like the out. idea of I kind of like the idea of ending film two. Um, and and I the reason I, part of the reason I'm bringing this up is I wanted to ask what what we're going to call it if this happens. I kind of like the uh, I kind of like the idea of film two ending with us um, poised on the precipice of two major conflicts: uh, Smaug ah. attacking Esgaroth and the White Council attacking Dol Guldur. And then at, and, and neither resolved two, yet. Yeah, neither resolved yet. And then film film three starts off with a bang with both of those things. Um, and then we resolve them, tie them up, Gandalf heads for the Lonely Mountain, and then the rest of film three uh, is, um, uh, you know, going into the Battle of Five Armies. No, 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 no. Well, first of all, no, I'm thinking no that B should probably be Smaug attacks Esgaroth as opposed to Smaug leaves for Esgaroth. Well, no, what because then, I mean, that's that sort of then suggests that we'd be ending the film, like, in the middle of it. Uh, in the middle of the fight. I mean, I feel like if we get Smaug setting fire to Esgaroth, then, like, we've got to finish it, right? I mean, we're not going to... Surely the credits aren't going to roll then, right? No, 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 no. I don't mean that. I mean, like, basically Smaug departing the mountain. So basically yeah. it's a... I'm oh, wondering oh, what, oh, happens okay. if, what happens if we get B and C 
like the setup for both yep. those confrontations. Smog leaving oh, for Asgoth, Battle of Dol, you know, White Council marching on Dol Guldur. What happens if we're uh, uh, splicing or like sort of switching back and forth between those two scenes? I I I I like that. Except there's no way that's going to happen. Or that is, there's no way that, <laughs> that we're going to end the film only setting them up and not happening. Now, here's what I could see. What I can see is the two of those encounters actually happening, that the end of film two becomes this really climactic moment, um, which is actually kind of awesome, where the, at, at the end of, when the credits roll at the end of film two, everywhere, the good guys have won. Hooray! They've kicked uh, the Necromancer out of Dol Guldur. Like, the good guys have defeated, and evil is on the run. The dragon comes out and attack. Oh, we've killed the dragon. Now the dragon is dead. And so the end of film two is like, hooray! All the bad guys are defeated. Um, the, the It's all pretty much over now. Uh, and evil... Why would is, I come back to a third movie, is, though? Good is triumphant. <laughs> And but that that of course then is what sets up like what happens later because again that's actually very much the motion of things in the book, um, and you know and and the, the whole like sort of point of Bilbo's outrage is that like look you know this was this is this is not just that it's supposed to be over, you know the good guys were supposed to have won and now we get after that we get all of this complication of who really are the good guys and you know are we going to fight among ourselves and um, yeah. <laughs> how are we going to like okay so, well then here here's another question for you then if that actually happened to me to set up for movie 3 then we got to have basically bilbo's thinking it's over and then you know yes. and then oh my god it's not which to me would mean they look out from the lonely mountain and see the you know the field is full of tents and armored men and elves. That would, would that be, be considered a major event? That wouldn't yeah. really be a major event. That no, really wouldn't be the siege that, of the Lone Mountain, would it? That's deep. Is it okay? That, that's okay. The, that's exactly the rationale of the D answer to say that the film three has to end or film two has to end with the establishment of the tension that's going to break out in film three in the Battle of Five Arms. Okay. Um, so yes, yeah. Corey. Golly, that, now you're opening answer. me up to another answer. Because <laughs> I can see that happening. That's Damn it. the answer. Exactly. Oh, boy. Now, of course, guess, if, the fi- if, if the final sequence of the film really is Dol Guldur and the death of Smaug happening at the same time, then I think we just basically have to give credit to everybody who guessed either one of those things as we don't <laughs> – I mean, if they really are doing them in parallel, uh, that would be the only fair way to do it, I think. Um, is to make them both right. Yeah. 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 But um, – but see, that's why I do think that the se- now now here's here's I will give my negative for D. That is the 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 t- in my mind the top reason for not voting D is simply that that's the f- it's the furthest downstream of all four yeah, options. That's my problem too. I mean, yeah. we have to get really pretty far along uh, to get yeah. there, and I'm not sure we're going to go that far. I mean, I think that that idea has to happen clearly. I mean, because hey, as you were saying, Trish, if it looks like all of the good guys have won and all of the major plots have been resolved, um, then it- it's going to be a little <laughs> bit funny. Oh, but by the way, there is a third film for some reason. Um, you know, so that, that that that's got to make sense internally, but um, I don't think, but but I, I I I don't think that the actual advance to the siege has to occur for that to happen. It would be one very good, a very dramatic way to make that happen, but um, uh, but it doesn't have to be. They don't have to be sort of completely 
going there. Um, yeah. So I forget. Now what we could was. see. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just wanted to clarify uh, in case I missed this. What, what if, if in fact the film ends with both these things happening, Dull Goldor and uh, Dragon leaving, that kind of stuff? Uh, what are we calling that? Is that uh, is that B or C? Both. I think it's both, isn't it? Yeah, we have to give credit so, to so both. That's C. I know. All right. Well, you the know, judges probably have to determine if it's. <laughs> Just, yeah, I mean, I, I think we'd have to, depending on how it goes off in the film. Yeah, we'd have to. The judges would have to decide whether That's they just true. wanted to award credit for both B and C, or whether they would want to call it something different. Ah. Now here's here's another question I've got. I would imagine that we could conceivably see the mustering of men and elves in their various locations, getting ready to go to the mountain, and that would not be considered the siege, right? We're just seeing the preparation for the siege. And it wouldn't necessarily be... So that wouldn't necessarily be the major event. Like, the the, the dragon could die, and we dragon. could see the muster, but, that, but the yeah. muster wouldn't be the major event. Yes. Okay. No, I agree. If we have... Um, say, you know, Brian was just suggesting uh, he'd love to see the end of film, two being... Uh, a the sequence, a sequence of the news of the dragon's death spreading. I actually really kind of like that. Um, but that would be basically the answer would be A if that happened. Um, right. The spreading of the news is not itself a major plot event. Uh, the, 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 the culminating moment would be the death of the dragon. Um, but that would be kind of cool, you know, to have, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Elven King I can gets see the Thranduil. news. Thranduil yeah. going, awesome, let's go get us some gold. That's right. <laughs> Here they've got lots of silver and white gems. Let's go, and uh, and then you've got Bjorn hearing about it, and the goblins hearing about it, and and the moth, and the moth hearing about it, the moth bringing the word to Gandalf, and all these things. Yeah, so um, that would be that would be cool. That would be cool. But again, that would be that would be that would certainly be an A answer. Um, So yeah, even if we were to get, I mean, and I would specify this. I think that even if we get. You know the people, the death of the dragon, and somebody at Lake Town saying we should go to the Lonely Mountain and claim the treasure, and Thranduil saying, "Okay, guys, let's go. Let's form up an army and get out there." Um, that's still not the D answer. The D answer has to be like the armies show up at the Lonely Mountain. Like the final sequence is the besieging right. of the Lonely Mountain by the armies. Um, so just the mobilization of people, not enough. Um, Good luck with this question, judges. <laughs> Hey, that's part of the fun of being a judge. And just just be forewarned, judges, whatever you choose, I'm going to say you were wrong. <laughs> exactly. Well, Dave, I think they all will assume that no matter what. So I think it's kind of a given. That'll be part of the that'll be part of the judge yeah. um That's part the, of the fun the of, of being of... a judge. <laughs> exactly. That's how we'll brief them, you know, when the judges get together and we do like a little debrief of, of yeah. them before they go off, we'll say that'll be one of the last things we say and just understand judges whatever you do, Dave, will it'll exactly. be wrong. Prepare Dave, to be quibbled with by Dave no matter what your results are. After you receive uh 20 pages of notes from him. Trying to sway your answers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Try, tr- trying, to, trying to very subtly do it. I, I'm not trying to sway your answers. Just read all of this. No, no. 
He's, no. he's like, I'm not trying to swear your Just let me give you the background of why we selected yeah. these as answers and what the rationale yeah. behind each let one Let me very, very carefully explain exactly what we meant so that you feel compelled to pick the answer. Yeah, exactly. No, it's good. It's good. It's very helpful. <laughs> um, Dave, you okay. are coming to Mythmoot this year, aren't you? I mean, that's a sort of a side question, but are you going to be able to come to Mythmoot? Uh, it actually looks pretty good because uh, okay, I don't okay. have any. We're not doing rules in the dark there, but I don't have any conference deadlines around then, unlike last year. So it's nice. pretty good, actually. Oh, good. Okay. All right. I'll keep a, keep my fingers crossed. Um, I shall. I, I'm going to step out and give an answer here, and I because I need to do this fast. It's like taking a bandaid off a cut. You know, right. I need to do it quick. Um, I'm actually going to go with A. I've, I've changed my mind. I, all this time, I thought I was a B girl. Yeah. All this time, but the more we talk about it, the more I think about the story arc. This is I, this is. I'm glad we actually did the whole story arc. I'm thinking it's going to be an A. So I'm going on record to say. So you so you don't <laughs> so you don't break dance. I know it's right. <laughs> I do a mean rumba though, Mister Dance. That's true. So I've heard. <laughs> if, if we both make it to myth moot, we're going to have to. Find oh yeah, outside we got to do that. Yeah, that's right. Because Dave's a Dave's a dancer. I'm uh, I'm going with the uh, I, I don't know I don't know what I'm supposed to pick for this I'm going with what I think is going to happen is BC BC <laughs> I'm in the I'm in the category of people who thinks thinks it'll end with um, setting both those things up so I don't know if I should just pick one uh, but but actually I think in my opinion the main thing the important thing is B. B I'm I'm a big fan of these of Smaug flying off I I in fact so I'm a B boy. Just, Yes, yes, I am a people. <laughs> I hope they use the line that you quoted earlier, uh, Corey, about Smog saying that he's the king of the mountain, and, yes. and that it sounds just, and that Benedict mm. Cumberbatch can deliver it with the same gravitas that you can. Oh boy, Cumberbatch doing that line, boy, yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah. Now I suppose you know one of the things about the BC could be literally we're talking about after which major event. Will be able to the movie end. It'll be like of the BC, whichever was the last in the sequence would be the right answer. Right. <laughs> you know, if it's BC, it's like which was the last one before the movie ended. Yeah. Well, All right, Corey. Dun, 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 dun. The fact is, I think it's going to be A. And the reason I think it's going to be A is I do think that's the most satisfying ending. And what's more, the thing that really appeals to me is the title. Um, <laughs> if the movie ends with the death of Smaug, it gives the title, The Desolation of Smaug, a really lovely double meaning. Um, you know, where most of the film is focused on the desolation that has been created by Smaug. Um, and then the film culminates in the destruction of the dragon and his own desolation. And that's kind of nifty. Um, I think that that one little piece is probably swaying me unduly. Um, the Battle of Dol Guldur I'm also tempted by. I can totally see the sequence that I described of having them both happening at the same time. I also kind of like Kate Neville's idea of ending with the death of Smaug and starting film three with the Battle of Dol Guldur. Um, having them having Gandalf and Radagast and Galadriel getting, like basically having that plot end in film two with 
some kind of like mini council of war, you know, where we, we have them around a, a, a small table and, you know, we've got four chairs at the table, uh, of course, for, for Gandalf and Radagast and Galadriel and Sebastian the Hedgehog. And the four of them decide they're going to get together and they're going to go and attack uh, and and but that but it doesn't happen in film two, and then we get that happening at the beginning of film three. Can totally see that. Um, would not be surprised to see the Battle of Dol Guldur coming at the end of. <clears throat> in in many ways, I think that as far as story arc goes, I would find it most satisfying to have the Dol Guldur plot actually resolved in film two, because that makes Gandalf's return to uh, Erebor for the Battle of Five Armies that makes that just kind of make more sense and be more satisfying um, so that it doesn't sound like it do, it, so that it doesn't seem like a, like a side trip for Gandalf, you know, that like, you know, he's got to, he's got to make the trip and arrive just in the nick of time, but rather having resolved that now he's going to come back and, uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, help to take care of what's going on. You know, what is threatening to go on up at the lonely mountain uh, as everything is going off the rails without him. Um, of course, actually, Kate's idea could, you know, is, is also good here too. Because if we do the death of the dragon, yeah, which you know could still be the answer A for our question, but you still have to do something to build up the reason to buy a ticket for movie three. I could literally see, you know, the last scene of the movie being like Gandalf drawing drawing Glaurung, uh, no, Glaurung, <laughs> drawing Glaurung, yay, um, drawing Glamdring, you know, and heading into battle in Dol Guldur is like the last right scene out of, of his movie. pocket. <laughs> I got dragons on my on my mind here, um, but I don't know that that would necessarily be one the of last those, major like, event of movie two. But yeah, <laughs> uh, on pencil eraser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, he must have one of those little bags like Hermione does in Harry Potter. Oh, yes. right, exactly. You just yeah. you know Harry reach Poppins. in there and just yeah. just start pulling Glaurung out little by little. <laughs> um. I see. John says, uh, I think the dragon will be dead. The camera will go to the forces at the gate of Dol Guldur, ending there, hinting there is more to come right. even after the dragon's death. So that That's would be C. Saying. No, that would be, I would call that A. Um, because so we're, 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 yeah. we're ending with a setup for the Battle of Dol Guldur, but the, the final event of the film was the death of the dragon. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming we're not, I mean, since this is a second film and there is a third film to come, there has to be some kind of link forward to the third film that happens at the very end. That's right. why the premise of this riddle is not what is the very, very last sequence going to be, the very last thing seen on camera. That's how we talked about it when we did our riddle back in last season. Um, but the reason why I'm not doing that this time is I want to be focusing on what is the climactic, where is the plot of the the plot trajectory of film two, where does it end? Where is it going to? Where does it culminate? Um, and then given and in that, using you have your... to have some denouement after that to to right. spring to you know springboard into film three. Um, well, and in using your example of if we had applied this this riddle to movie one, the answer would have been the fight the f- uh, exactly uh, in the yes. fir trees. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, Yes, and the answer to uh, and like you know, and, and you know, the answer to this riddle for the Fellowship of the Ring film would be the death of Boromir. I would say, right. Um, even though, of course, the departure of Frodo and Sam uh, is important, and the scene, you know, the this the film ends with you know Frodo and Sam looking across the Emin Muil. I, I think that clearly. Um, 
the death of Boromir is the climactic moment um, in film in the Fellowship of the Ring film. So, um, so yeah, so that's why oh, we're. Oh, Dave being... has to go. Yeah, Dave has to go. Tick Dave tick tick tick. Yeah. Yep. So did you vote, Dave? So officially, yes. B, yes, right? Yes, in a couple minutes. B, so okay. you guys are A. I'm B. We haven't we'll had too many of the listeners way. haven't uh, haven't. John Lambert. Oh, no, John asked if it was an A. Yeah, no, but Brianna says she has to think about it more. Yana says that he apparently, if we're allowed to pick multiple answers, he's choosing A, B, C, D. No, no, no. Come on now. <laughs> we must commit. Oh, it looks like John has uh, committed to A. Bravo. Yeah, Bri- Brianna is not going to commit to anything. She's going to think about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yana said B. Yana's a B boy. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I, th- I think we have some. Uh, I think we have some new people here today. Anybody else want to be voting? You should. Uh, it's leaning A. Okay. Enter it into the questions box if you uh, if you would like to register your your vote. Oh boy! But then, if you want to wait uh, until we get it up on the Facebook page, yeah, I know they are. Yeah. Oh, Carissa changed oh, the mind. Okay, back okay. to A. Carissa, you were a D before, <laughs> weren't you? Did I talk you out of it. <laughs> Okay, Paul says A. That's right. That's good. Ian says B. So so far, Carissa was a D previously, but I think I think I, I think I talked her out of D. By the way, Sharon reminds me, and this will be pertinent to the podcast listeners as well, is Facebook has changed the way it does polls on pages. And so, at least for now, it looks like the only solution I've been able to come up with is to actually use a little applet for polls. And the thing is, I know a lot of people, I would not want to, if I wasn't actually running the page, I wouldn't do it, which is that Facebook, to use it, then Facebook says, well, can Facebook have your permission to, like, you know, have your firstborn male child? Yeah. Um, So I realize a lot of people aren't going to want to give Facebook that permission. So if you don't want to participate in the poll applet on Facebook, just keep track of your answers. And if we come up with another solution, we'll let you know. Or worst case is you can send us your your list of answers at the end of the game. Yeah. No, that's so, so gosh, wait, Facebook just randomly changed something. I can't believe that. Yes. That I went so on to do it. The, yeah, it seems so out of character. And, 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 they, and I believe this, they is, did a, it in this a way is to monetize that, something. Right. Yeah. They did it in a way to compel you to give up more personal information. I'm sure. Right. And to pay extra for like having a version with no ads, you know, it's like, Oh God. Yeah. yeah. So I did notice somebody saying that they're, they've changed the like feature on pages to be more of a poll. I got to go back and research that and see if something changes to where we can still do the polls without having to give away stuff to Facebook. Actually, what if we no, just post? You know. What if we just do a what if we yeah. just do a separate post for each answer and then people vote on it liking it? And then we yeah, could do. Y- y- yes, exactly. That, I was just thinking the same. No, of course we can't. Yeah. Work. Can we? It does keep track of who were the people. It'll just who make liked me do it, right? take longer to do them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that'll be good, too, because Stephen will be able to, um, you know, compile the individual winners that way as well. I mean, the other thing about this poll applet, it makes it more difficult to know who did, you know, who's voting. Um, so I may do that. That's actually a good idea, Dave. I'll go back and look at that. And if so, I'll change the, the ones that are already up there as, as applets back to, you know, Still going to make it really tough to get to a spreadsheet, though. Well, it'll show at least who the likes were. I mean, it'll give us a list of people. Yeah, it gives the same list, way that the yeah. poll thing did. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what Stephen had to work with before too. So yeah. Anyway, to... I just want to let folks know that just do keep track of your answers. So whatever we end up doing, you you remember what it was you maybe you came it may up be with. may also be time to look into maybe putting this on the uh, MythGuard web- website instead. 
Instead of Facebook? Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> Facebook is so reliable. That's my problem. <laughs> and trustworthy, too. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing you can count on in life is that Facebook will... Facebook, never... staying the same. Exactly. Always being, you know, in, like a rock for, the, for life, the little guy. You know? Really? Yeah. Anyway, okay. so I just want to let you guys know that. And just stay tuned for, you know... Um, no, no, uh, Yana, the Mythgard website, not the Mythgard Institute uh, uh, school site. To, yeah, to, yeah, to, no, no, so exactly. The Mythgard the, website. The course pages and stuff are, are password protected. Yeah, for, yeah. Uh, oh, that was the other thing. Oh, that we're doing another um, freebie Two Towers class today. And that, right. this will live for a while. So on the podcast, that's still working. It was really fun. Corey, Dave, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Corey came up with a with a, a an index that only somebody with astrophysics background would have <laughs> thought of in relation to Tolkien. Corey, can you explain it real quick? I, you you, you hear do it my, better than I did can. Did you hear about my Turin scale, Dave? No, I would like to hear this. Okay, yeah. So, so, so the, <laughs> the idea is that all all bad decision making in Tolkien can be given a numerical value, uh, with the unit of measure for bad decision meaning making being the Turin. Um, Turin. So like, so like a one yes, the number of tourists <laughs> a a one point Turin decision would be you refuse the pardon of King Thingol and refuse to return to Doriath uh, when you've been invited to come back. That's like a one point Turin decision. Um, and whereas, of course, like refusing the uh, urging of Olmo to cast down the bridge. Uh, into Nargothrond would be a much more like a five. Uh, th- th- that's like a five Turin uh, uh, decision, and then of course you can, so you can rate all bad decision making on the Turin scale. Then um, so you can you can rate you know what were some of the other uh, examples I came up with like uh, you know uh, Frodo, Sam, and Merry and Pippin stopping to have a picnic by a standing stone in the Barrow Downs would be something like a fifteen centiturin decision. Um, you know, not really high in the scope, really just foolish and short-sighted. Um, you know, in order to really rank on the Turin scale, there has to be not only foolishness, but, uh, but, but real arrogance combined with disastrous consequences for lots of other people. Um, yeah, you made Denethor looking into the Palantir like a 15 Turin Oh, yeah, that's, that's a big one. Do. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I would, I, I'm not sure if I'd go as high as 15. Um, because I, I I think I ranked Arpharazon deciding to take Sauron back oh, as right. a prisoner. I think I rated that a ten Turin. Uh, uh, right, Turin. right. That's definitely uh, a ten Turin. Yeah, yeah. Now then, what somebody came up with the, Gan- the with the Gandalf. A Gandalf being what appears to be a Turin decision, but turns out to be catastrophic. An example being, let's um, let's go through Moria to get to the other side of the mountains. Oops, Balrog. Oh, but Gandalf the White. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 No, Gandalf. Gandalf has does have his sort of his own scale there because yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. yeah, that's true. Nothing. Nothing. In, at least in hindsight, nothing Gandalf does is that we're allowed to judge. Exactly. Is it really a Turin decision? <laughs> yes. Yes. Maybe, maybe anyway, that's I, a separate scale. Making a making a decision that that appears to be bad, but is actually really perfectly in tune with sort of the larger right. uh, with the music and the story. That's clearly destined to probably work out for the best. That's a Gandalf. That's right. Well, that's then of right. course somebody came up with there has to be a two or scale for the good decisions. You know, is a, is a two or would be the two. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yep. you know. But I wrote, I said, where else? Where else would you get this kind of conversation in relation to Tolkien <laughs> but from Corey Olson? I mean, this is one of the charms of the Tolkien professor. Well, it just, it came this up is... in, the, in the first two Towers class because we were talking about, you know, I, I spent most of the time in the first class talking about decision making and especially uh, Aragorn's choice, you know, uh, Boromir's redemption and his death in the first chapter and uh, Aragorn's choices and how he's all worried that all of his choices are going amiss. And so, I just I ended up it was like very spontaneous because I was just like you know talking about Aragorn making bad choices and then but I wanted to say like well but they're not really bad I mean in the big scale of things like that's right you know his choice you know I spent some time in class talking about his choice not to pursue Frodo back when he sees Frodo's tracks returning from Emon Hen and he doesn't go back and he decides instead I really want to go up and look and and sit on Emon Hen and hopefully get some guidance um, in my perplexities and that's clearly the wrong thing to do and so like while he's up there and seeing nothing by the way and receiving no help at all in his perplexities Frodo and Sam are getting away Boromir's being killed you know and there's there's like Aragorn sitting up there buying himself by himself accomplishing nothing it was clearly the wrong choice but it's not like a big bad choice you know so that's that's what I, that's when I <laughs> that's I, where it I, came I, from I this just a couple of just a handful of Torrens yeah no, no that's I'm a really like, fan of that's like that's like I don't think like, think that's like three or four. You gave it like Billy a Turin's, yeah, half a turin. Yeah, yeah no, not even, it was a not even. It's, of a turin. It, it, yeah. yeah, it's it's that, that that's a, that's just a few millitorins, <laughs> no more than that. I'm a my new favorite listener is Molly Hester, who's who's attempting to combine the Turin scale with the Turing test. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> she said, "If you can't tell, tell if you've artificially made the decision or just made human error, you rank it on the Turin Turing yeah. bar." <laughs> yeah, Turin Turing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Very good. Very good. See, here we are. We're exemplifying oh, the benefits of a liberal arts education. Exactly. Exactly. That's what a liberal arts <laughs> education is all about. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, gosh, we don't have a whole lot of time. We, no, I know we've gone over with Dave now. We're, I was going to talk about we're going to match the telephone. Yeah, e- even if it has no practical implications, the liberal arts degree certainly is great for coming up with awesome jokes. It's just how it enriches Oh, awesome. Life, oh, man. absolutely. No, I mean, it's just that. Well, you look at the, most of the memes on Facebook are, you know, have some kind of geek basis to them. I mean, if, and if, you're, if you don't have some, you know, or, or you know, liberal arts geek basis, I mean, you, you, you would totally not get them. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I should go, but, you yeah. know, hey, you guys we stay on the air. Keep having we- fun. Yep, Bye, Dave. I'll talk to you guys later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to, for everybody who uh, has joined. Thanks to everybody who has joined us live today, uh, and uh, and to everybody listening. Uh, I will say as always, thanks for listening, and Godspeed. You, you would totally not get them. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I should go, but you yeah. know, hey, you guys we stay on the air. Go. Keep having fun. Yep. Bye, Dave. I'll talk to you guys later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to, for everybody who uh, has joined. Thanks to everybody who has joined us live today, uh, and uh, and to everybody listening. Uh, I will say as always, thanks for listening, and Godspeed.